What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano, selfies on your feed, your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times, 51, 52. When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast, because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon, and what Patreon is, is going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes that's right jsc exclusives you'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else for ten dollars or more per episode now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show you got a business you want me to talk about it i want you to sponsor my show for ten dollars hit me up send me the script i'm putting you over plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Third down 12. Here's the last play right here. Brady gets the snap, goes to a knee, and that'll do it. The bench is empty. The teams meet at midfield. And as a white rain falls in Foxborough, the New England Patriots are going to advance to the Super Bowl for an NFL record ninth time. They'll take on Atlanta in Houston in Super Bowl 51. With the muskets firing and the fireworks firing on top of the stadium, the Patriots have done it again. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now, my name is Jay Scott Smith, and you're listening to episode 28 of the People's Podcast. This is Jay S.C. Radio. Hope everyone is hanging in and surviving out there. After a very interesting last week or so, for those of us here in the United States, you you already know what I'm talking about. Want to remind y'all once again to just, for one, first and foremost, I want to thank you. I'm not going to remind you of anything yet. I want to thank you for showing love across all the different platforms. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, at jscottsmith. I am verified. I'm on Facebook, at real jscottsmith, verified. I'm on Instagram, at jscottsmith. Y'all need to stop BSing and verify me. I'm on Snapchat, at jscottsmith. Pretty much, where you see jscottsmith, 
If you don't see that blue check mark, it's not the genuine article, but I'm cornering the market on all the names. Remember also, you can listen to this show on a multitude of platforms on iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Simply search JSC Radio. I am on podcast.com. Search JSC Radio. And by the way, also on SoundCloud at J. Scott Smith. Ah, I caught you slipping there for a second. Website hopefully coming soon. We're getting that thing taken care of and getting that locked down and worked on. So what are we getting into for the 28th episode of this extravaganza? Oh, and one more thing before I actually step into that. A little housekeeping from last week. I want to thank Jasmine Duke for coming on one more time. She's been unreal showing love and getting clips of last week's show out there. You can follow her at Jasmine P. Duke on Twitter and also be sure to follow The Female Condition on Instagram and go to thefemalecondition.com. That interview we did last week, it actually was a little bit longer. So what I'm going to do, how about this, for the people who are on Patreon, remember, patreon.com slash Radio. I'm going to put the full unedited version of that interview up on the site this weekend and it'll pop up on iTunes next week. So if you want to first look at the full unadulterated glory that is J. Scott Smith and Jasmine Duke, all you got to do is go to patreon.com, throw down a, just $1, that's all, just throw down a dollar or two or five, your choice. And you get to hear the entire thing completely uncensored. And trust me, it was it was something special. So what are we getting off into this week? Well, as you heard there in the open, the Super Bowl matchup is set. We've got two teams set to go to the Super Bowl. One, the Atlanta Falcons, and the other, the New England Patriots. And what can I say about the NFC and AFC championship games? Nothing nice. It's really messed up that all the hype and all the anticipation for the NFL playoffs. I mean, obviously, again, I'm a baseball guy, and I'm a basketball guy. So I'm always hyped up for the MLB playoffs. I'm always hyped up for the NBA playoffs. I'm always hyped up for the NCAA basketball tournament. The NFL playoffs are just like this big pilgrimage. It's the thing everybody's been waiting on this whole 17 arduous weeks to get there, and we got one gigantic popcorn fart for the most part save for the Green Bay-Dallas game, which was one for the ages. I mean, think about it. In the wild card round, all those games were blowouts. All of them. There wasn't one competitive game in the wild card round. We already hashed out what happened with Seattle and the Lions. That was a beatdown. I don't want to hear this. It was 10-6 in the fourth. That game was 10-6, and it was never in doubt. (laughs) As then Seattle went and put the damn thing away. Same thing with Pittsburgh and Miami. That game was never in doubt. Matt Moore nearly died in the process, and you knew that was done. So that game, not even a contest. Houston and Oakland was a joke from the very beginning, and that game wasn't competitive either. So the first three games we lay out there, nothing. Garbage. And then finally, the Packers and the Giants. A game that was tight in the first half, got real ugly real fast in the second at Lambeau. And out went the Giants. So, first round was garbage. Second round, by and large, was garbage. Because <laughs> everyone knew Houston didn't have a prayer going into Foxborough. They got beat. Everyone pretty much knew that Seattle wasn't as good as they looked against the Lions. But the Lions have a habit of making teams with a pulse look really good. 
They went in there and got gun clapped in Atlanta. Pittsburgh and Kansas City, the game was close. It was 18-16. And the final furious couple of minutes were pretty interesting. But for the most part, that game was just the. I noted last week, they managed to win a playoff game without scoring a touchdown. As a Detroit Lion fan, I try to make sense of that. The Lions have scored numerous touchdowns in playoff games and lost. The Steelers won a playoff game where they kicked six field goals and didn't score a touchdown. It's just, it is life as a Lion fan. The one game, the one damn game that was worth the price of admission was Dallas and Green Bay. And Green Bay had a big-ass lead in that game before Dallas came storming back in the fourth and somewhat gave it away at the finish when Dak Prescott got the brilliant idea to clock the ball with 35 seconds left, giving Aaron Rodgers just enough time to throw one of the most clutch late-game passes you'll ever see to set up an even more clutch long-distance field goal for Mason Crosby. And then Green Bay went to Atlanta and did this. The celebration beginning in earnest throughout the city of Atlanta and certainly here at the Georgia Dome on second down. Kristen Michael to carry, trying to reverse his field, and Michael upended at the 26-yard line, and that will be the final play of the game for the second time in franchise history. The Falcons are headed to the Super Bowl, soaring to Super Bowl 51 with a 44-21 win over the Green Bay Packers, your NFC champions, the Atlanta Falcons. 44-21. And the game wasn't even that close. It was 24-0 at one stretch. It's like the Aaron Rodgers who just blew through the league like a damn hurricane suddenly fizzled at the weirdest possible time and just got clobbered. Clobbered. You couldn't have told me that Green Bay was going to go in there and get hammered by Atlanta. Could I have seen Atlanta winning? Sure. Sure. It would have been something similar to how they got to the Super Bowl in 1998 when they basically thefted a game from the Minnesota Vikings. When Gary Anderson, who hadn't missed a field goal the whole damn season, of course, misses the one that matters. And Atlanta, to their credit, capitalized and got to the Super Bowl. This one wasn't even a contest. The game was never in doubt. Total beat them down. Same thing with the AFC Championship game. As soon as the Patriots got up by double figures, that game was over. Pittsburgh scores this touchdown, or they thought they scored the touchdown, but then the replay showed dude was a yard short, and they came up painfully short on three tries, game over. You cannot waste an opportunity against the Patriots. They don't give you but maybe one opening in a game, and if you don't come through that door, they will drop it on you like a damn anvil. So that's what we have. The Super Bowl. Super Bowl 51. 51 in Houston. Atlanta, New England. Not a lot of juice there. And I know we're on the 25th anniversary of the movie Juice. Now, next week, I'll get more into the Super Bowl thing. But I wanted to at least acknowledge it. But these games in this NFL playoff season, this NFL postseason of 2016-2017, it was the drizzling shits, man. I mean, what else can I say? There was one game that was absolutely epic. And the team that won that game then went and got their face ripped off the very next week in Atlanta. It's like, come on, NFL. It's hard to believe that there are teams that would win 10, 11, 12 games that would go out and just get their head caved in in a playoff game. But it happens. It's not, I mean, getting beat like that is not just for teams like the Lions. It's for teams like, it's pretty much anybody not named the New England Patriots can get it in a playoff game. 
Anybody can get it. Hell, remember, even in the playoff games that the Patriots lose, they lose them on, like, last-second field goals. <laughs> they get beat on last-second plays. They fight you to the absolute finish. The two Super Bowls they've lost in the Tom Brady era. Classics with the Giants. And uh, Eli Manning ain't walking through that door in Houston next week. But again, next week will be all Super Bowl all the time here on JSC Radio. I wanted to get that out there. And I wanted to kind of get this quickly in there so you don't think I wasn't paying attention. Yes, I was paying attention in between naps watching these games save for Dallas Green Bay. Come on, NFL. You got to do better than that. Baseball's playoffs, say what you will, because there are people who still, for some bizarre reason, think baseball is boring. Give me the MLB playoffs over this driftwood that the NFL has given us. Give me the NBA playoffs over this garbage, this basura that we've been getting out of the NFL. The NCAA tournament's about six weeks away. That's going to be, hopefully, assuming Michigan State can get there and not get, you know, taken out by ITT Tech of Memphis like last year. That's going to be something special. Now, I'm sitting here saying all this and watch that Super Bowl be one of the five best ever played. But again, we'll talk about that next week. Coming up after this quick break, we talk about my favorite WWE slash WWF event of the year. We're talking about the 30-man over-the-top rope Royal Rumble. I've mentioned to y'all before, we're going to talk some pro wrestling on this show. And after this break, we're not only going to talk about the 2017 Royal Rumble, I'm also going to go into a nice little retrospective as we have hit the 25th anniversary of the greatest Rumble of all time. And here's a hint. We are the studs in professional wrestling. We are the men that get it done. My name is J. Scott Smith. And you're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. We'll be back after this. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. So, you know, I'm a dog, and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend. My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket. But it's always the same basket, and it's always the same place. And then they act so surprised when I find them. But I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. <laughs> hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today, and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kendall Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows, such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. You don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. 
safe. An inside look from the pages of the World Wrestling Federation magazine. Last Tuesday in Texas, Hulk Hogan regaining the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. I'm sure because all of the goings-on and a confusion at the conclusion of that matchup that President Jack Tunney of the World Wrestling Federation right now has to be pondering, perhaps collecting his thoughts. If you saw that event on pay-per-view, you recall Tunney, true to his word, he was at ringside to observe firsthand. However, our president, not the most agile of individuals, he was offended. As a matter of fact, I think his vantage point was somewhat skewed. I do recall at the end of the matchup, Tunney was on his feet trying to get the referee's attention. Maybe he can shed some new light on all of this because standing by, let's hear from World Wrestling Federation President, the distinguished Jack Tunney. As President of the World Wrestling Federation, I am fully aware that the decisions of this office are not always popular and that this one will be no exception. However, I cannot stand idly by and take little or no action in the face of such grievous circumstances. This past Tuesday in Texas, during the Undertaker-Hulk Hogan championship match, I witnessed with my own eyes what I believe was a flagrant and far-reaching oversight on the part of the referee. Now, the referee's decision is final. I will not challenge his official decision. However, under these circumstances, I have little choice but to decree the WWF title vacant and to declare that the winner of the 30-man Royal Rumble will now become the undisputed WWF champion. Furthermore, in regard to both The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan, and in respect to certain legitimate claims each can make to the WWF title, it is my ruling that they be allowed to draw their entry number for the Royal Rumble only from numbers 20 through 30. What? Honey putting the title up for grabs at the Royal Rumble? Well, that means 30 superstars are going to be vying for the World Wrestling Federation title. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back to the People's Podcast. I'm Jay Scott Smith. Man, just the sound of of Mean Gene Okerlund's voice. R.I.P. to Jack Tunney. My God. Yeah, I, I, I told y'all we weren't playing with you. I told y'all I'm taking it back this week, and that's exactly what we're doing. Remember, follow me on Twitter at J. Scott Smith, Instagram at J. Scott Smith, Snapchat at J. Scott Smith, Facebook, which is also verified at Real J. Scott Smith. I am the original J. Scott Smith. Also on SoundCloud.com, at soundcloud.com slash jscottsmith, podcast.com, just simply search for JSC Radio. Now that I've gotten all that out of the way, also, also, don't forget you can support the show at patreon.com slash JSC Radio. What you heard there was the table setter for what I and so many other professional wrestling fans regard as the greatest single Royal Rumble of all time. That's right, because this weekend is the Royal Rumble. Arguably the second biggest event of the year. The second biggest pay-per-view of the year in WWE. Obviously, back then it was WWF. 
For me, the Royal Rumble has always been a personal favorite of mine because of its unpredictable nature. It's the most fun that you can have watching a professional wrestling event at any point during the year because it really is the table setter in that company. And it has been since the first two Royal Rumbles, 1988, 1989, yeah, it was just kind of an exhibition. 1990 was the first time it really felt like it kind of meant something, even though 1990, Hulk Hogan won it. Well, of course he did. He didn't win. That was actually his first win in the Rumble because the first two were Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the late Big John Studd. So Hogan didn't get his first one to 1990, the third one, but it was the first big time one was 1990. He got the win in 91, which sent him off to WrestleMania 7, where he eventually won back the WWF title from Sergeant Slaughter. And then we get to 1992. Now, you heard at the start of this segment that just unbelievably cool-slash-hilarious update. That was at the end of 1991, early 1992. And you laid out the whole scenario for how we got to this point. Because today, in 2017, the winner of the Royal Rumble is automatically the number one contender for whichever championship they choose, whether it's the WWE World Heavyweight Championship or the big red belt, the Universal Championship, which they fight for on Monday Night Raw. But back then, the Royal Rumble, 1992, the Royal Rumble never had any stakes to it. Because 90 and 91, it was just one big-ass match where a bunch of guys would run in every, every 90 seconds to two minutes, and it would be really cool. You never knew who was coming, the whole shebang-a-bang. 1992 was the first time the Royal Rumble had stakes, and it was for the biggest possible prize you could get in pro wrestling. Sorry, WCW. And you had to figure it was going to be a big deal. First time ever. Now, the following year, 1993, was the first time they did the whole number one contender thing. But this was the first time the Royal Rumble had ever been for anything, let alone it's for the world championship. And we talk about this a lot in circles of friends of mine, and we always go through who the greatest wrestler of all time is, who your favorite wrestler of all time is, who's that guy who's just, he does it for you. For me, it was always three guys. As a kid, it was Hulk Hogan until, you know, I kind of started to branch out a little bit more into wrestling and watching more wrestling and understanding that, yeah, it wasn't just about the big superheroes. It was also about the cats who could work. We're talking about Ricky Steamboat and Macho Man Randy Savage and guys like that. The second guy was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, obviously, I jumped ahead a few years there, but we get to Stone Cold Steve Austin when I'm in high school and eventually into college. But the man who always has been the man with me is the nature boy, Ric Flair. So by late 1991, Ric Flair had joined the company a few months earlier. Infamously showed up on TV with the big gold belt, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Eventually became the World Heavyweight Championship in WWE, but we don't want to get into all that. It was super controversial, and I would suggest you Google the reason why Flair had that belt, because I just can't go into it right now, because we're trying to keep this show relatively close. But Flair has shown up in the WWF by this point, He's being semi-managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan. We'll get to him, too, as this goes on. Along with Mr. Perfect, the late Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. And Flair has been trying and angling to get a match with Hulk Hogan. And anybody who, again, who's followed this knows that that match didn't happen until 1994. 
But Flair wanted Hogan to prove who was the real world's champion. He interfered on the behalf of The Undertaker at Survivor Series 1991, which was, by the way, at Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. He interfered on behalf of The Undertaker when Taker gave Hogan a tombstone onto a steel chair that somehow the referee doesn't see. Back then, we never really understood how the hell the ref didn't see these things. Hogan loses the world title to the stunned shock of me and every kid around the United States in 1991 because Hogan just didn't lose big matches back then. The following week, they had this pay-per-view called This Tuesday in Texas. Again, this is 1991, so this is pre-Monday Night Raw, pre-SmackDown. This is when it was Superstars of Wrestling and Wrestling Challenge and all these other things. The Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view ended with Hogan beating Taker to get the belt back when he threw ashes from Undertaker's urn in his eye. This sounds really ridiculous, but please understand, in 1991, this was the good shit. You heard what the aftermath of that was at the start of this thing, and that leads to the Royal Rumble. And this year's the 25th anniversary of that. No, I'm not using WWE math. This really is the 25th anniversary of the 1992 Royal Rumble. It just passed. And that was the single greatest Royal Rumble ever. Not just because of the singular feat that would occur occur in there with Ric Flair. Because of who was in this match. Let me go down here. this, this This is for the wrestling heads who are of my age. Pretty much if you're between the age of, say, 32 and like into your 40s you know who I'm talking about here you had and just listen to the number of legends and hall of famers that were in this royal rumble you had the British Bulldog you have the million dollar man Ted DiBiase Shawn Michaels pre-heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels Tito Santana was in this thing Kerry Von Erich, the Texas Tornado was in this thing Greg the Hammer Valentine Nikolai Volkoff the late big boss man was in this Rowdy Roddy Piper who earlier in the night had won his only singles championship in WWF. He'd won the Intercontinental Championship. He was in this. Jake the Snake Roberts was in this. The aforementioned 1988 winner Jim Duggan was in this. Erwin R. Scheister, Mike Rotunda, the father of Bray Wyatt was in this. Was in this. Randy Savage was in this thing. Rick Martell, the model, was in it. Sergeant Slaughter, who was the champion the year before, was in this thing. Sid Justice, or as we simply know him now as Sid Vicious or Psycho Sid, was in this thing. He played a key role in this as well. And of course, you had Hulk Hogan, the Hulkster. The man who he, well, he was to me as a kid. Now, we know not so much. And then there was Flair. Now, the whole run-up to this thing was Heenan, who I also consider to be the greatest color commentator in the history of professional wrestling, and I will fight you if you dare to tell me otherwise. He was so afraid that the Nature Boy was going to get hosed with an early entry. Because as you heard Tunney say, Taker and Hogan weren't coming in until at least number 20. So Flair is just kind of sitting out there. And this was his first Royal Rumble appearance. And when he shows up for this Royal Rumble, he doesn't know what's going to happen. Nobody does because it's, you know, the luck of the draw. The match starts off with... Davey Boy Smith, the late British Bulldog, and the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. Just about a minute and a half into this thing, DiBiase is kind of suddenly and shockingly eliminated. And, well, here comes number three. Who's number three now? Just like that! How much more time do we have? Davey Boy! Look at He's upset! An opportunity wasted down the drain here! Eight seconds, seven, six, five... 
And needless to say, Heenan's reaction is priceless. And I tell this to a lot of people because I've talked about this particular Royal Rumble multiple times because I'm a geek. But one of the best things about the 1992 Royal Rumble, aside from everything else that was going on during the Battle Royal itself, possibly the best work of Bobby Heenan's life was happening as this Royal Rumble rolled along. Both he and Gorilla Monsoon were at their absolute best. If you can find a way to get, just get a subscription to the WWE Network. If you if you can't afford to get one right now, then go slip onto the internet. I know Daily Motion has matches like this. Hopefully they, they don't shut the whole thing down after I said that. But they got the 92 Royal Rumble on there. Listen to Monsoon and Heenan on that call. That was a story inside of the story of the Rumble was Heenan's often awesome reactions to Flair just nearly, barely hanging on on more than one occasion. He was on his way out. It looked like he was on his way out and Heenan would basically lose his shit. And there was another phrase. And if this happened in, say, 2017, as opposed to 1992, this phrase would have been on Every t-shirt, it would have been hashtagged up and down Twitter. It would have had three simple words. Fair to flare. Look at, listen to the hammer just pounding away flare. Oh, listen to that. John Michaels face down in the center of the ring. Not the place to be. Davey Boy back on flare again. This isn't right. I think it's fair. So the Rumble rolls along. Flair is just hanging tough in there. And yes, he was a heel, by the way. Full heel. But he was so beloved. Even then, Flair, who had only been in the company about six, seven months, you could hear the woos when he would hit chops. You could hear the woos when he would woo on somebody else. There's this really funny gif that's floating around on the internet of when Kerry Von Erich chops the hell out of him and he does the full flare flop right into the middle of the mat. This was a master class by Ric Flair. And this is intertwining all these other different stories that are happening. You have Roddy Piper, who's just won the Intercontinental Championship, trying to become a dual champion. You got Ted DiBiase not even lasting that long. You've got Shawn Michaels. Again, he's just really broken away from Marty Jannetty. Like, not long before this. So this is Shawn Michaels kind of really defining himself. You had Big Boss Man coming in like a house of fire. You had the ongoing issue with Randy Savage and Jake the Snake Roberts, who had recently turned heel. So you have all these different things happening and going on along the way. Oh, another guy who was in this Royal Rumble that you probably don't realize was the Iron Sheik. He was in there under the name Colonel Mustafa. The Iron Sheik was another guy in there. Sheiky Baby was in this Royal Rumble. And one of the crazy things, and I mentioned it earlier, one guy who was in this Royal Rumble in 1992 amazingly will also be in the 2017 Royal Rumble. Uh-oh, we're down under that 10-second mark. One 
once again. And this tremendous crowd is counting it down. It's the greatest thing in life. Who is it? It's the Rumble I've ever seen. Oh, it's The Undertaker. The ageless damn Undertaker. Think about that now. Taker was in the 1992 Royal Rumble. He will be in the 2017 Royal Rumble, and it will not be as one of those one-off surprises who just shows up randomly and gets booted after a minute or two. There's a good chance Undertaker could win this thing, or at least make a really big amount of noise in this thing. Like whenever you hear that gong, that's Taker coming for your ass. And this was back when they didn't play the music when they came out. They just walked out and the crowd reacted. So this rumble continues to roll along. Taker came in at number 20. The Macho Man comes in at 21. You go down the list, you got the Berserker and Virgil, the aforementioned Iron Sheik. You get Martell, then you get to Hogan at 26. Skinner, Steve Kern, 27. Slaughter, 28. Out comes Sid Vicious a.k.a. Psycho Sid, or Sid Justice as he was then, at 29, then the Warlord at number 30. The battle continues, the bodies clear out of the ring, Heenan is damn near gonna pop a friggin' aneurysm on the broadcast table, and the final four in the ring, think about this here, the final four guys in the ring at the 1992 Royal Rumble. Hulk Hogan, Sid Vicious, Macho Man Randy Savage, Nature Boy Ric Flair. Are you friggin' kidding me? Flair basically helped... Sid Vicious eliminates Savage from the match. He's gone. So that leaves three guys in the ring. Flair, Hogan, Sid Justice, and this is how it all shook out. Looking at bottom rope and looking from behind. Oh, Justice got rid of Hulk. Uh-oh. I don't like the looks of things now. So in the end, Hulk Hogan, who had eliminated The Undertaker to clear him out of the way, Hulk Hogan gets pitched out of the ring from behind by Psycho Sid. Hogan, pissed off, angry, confused, grabs Sid by the arm, and then Flair, doing Flair things, sneaks in from behind, scoops up Sid with a little assist from Hogan, out to the floor goes Sid Justice, and as you heard there at the finish, the Nature Boy. Not even a year removed from his not-so-amicable split from WCW. Showing up on primetime wrestling 
with the big gold belt is suddenly the WWF World Heavyweight Champion. Hogan and Sid are about to scrap in the middle of the ring. The crowd is half cheering, half in shock. Everybody can't believe it. Heenan is basically on cloud nine. And then just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we have the post-match interview. And Ric Flair does more of those Ric Flair things that he's known to do. And he drops an all-time promo. Let's hear from Mean Gene. All right, by virtue of winning the Royal Rumble, we have a brand new World Wrestling Federation champion as the press watches on. At this time, to present the title belt to the new champion, our president, the distinguished Jack Tunney. Congratulations, Ric Flair, on becoming the undisputed champion of the World Wrestling Federation. Let me just say, after view distorting the belt, they're proclaiming the real world champion. I'm going to tell you all, with a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. And this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one. When you are the king of the WWF, you rule the world. Think about it like that, Mr. Perfect. Guys, the we're on the Woo! 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 Let's give a big one! Woo! Woo! You did it! I was never so impressed with anything I've ever seen in all my life. He went out there for over 60 minutes, never took a back step, took it to Hogan, took it to The Undertaker, took it to whoever got in that ring. That's why he is, hey, and Bobby, you call him now, we're, the real world's heavyweight champion. We're not the kind of guys to say, we told you so, but we... Told you so. <laughs> okay, very good. Rick Flair, you have made world... Put that cigarette out. You have made World Wrestling Federation history here tonight. It's the greatest moment of my life. I want to jump. I want to party. But I got to tell you like this. For the Hulk Hogan's and the Macho Man's and the Pipers and the Sids. Now it's Ric Flair. And y'all pay homage to the man. There are just so many good things about that promo. There were just so many good things about it. Because you can see in Flair's face. There's a little clip of it. I tweeted out a clip of it. Again, at J. Scott Smith. You can look at Flair's face. That was emotion. That was real. That was honest. That was raw. This is a guy who felt he'd basically been thrown away by WCW. They were going to turn him into Spartacus. Jim Hurd basically said, Flair is too old and over the hill. Even as world champion, he was going to change him to Spartacus. That's like some Vince Russo type shit. Flair leaves the company, goes to WWF, and inside of six months is world champ, having won arguably the greatest Royal Rumble ever held. And at the time, setting the record for longevity in the match, going 60 minutes and two seconds. It's just unbelievable. And you hear it in that promo. You could actually see it in his eyes as it looked like he was about to shed tears. It was real. There was no script for that. The reactions in the back with Heenan and Henning, the shout out to Arn Anderson there, everything was just pitch perfect. Even down to Mean Gene telling somebody... Put that cigarette out. Who the hell was he talking to? 
for 25 years, I really don't know. I, I haven't known who he was talking to. Who was he telling to put that cigarette out? I just know it was like kind of an impromptu, off-the-cuff thing. But it was so damn great because it was so in the moment. If any of you listening to this can tell me who the hell Gene was talking to. I've tried to Google it. I've looked at it. I cannot find it. So can any of you come up with the answer to who Gene Okerlund was telling to put the cigarette out during the 1992 Royal Rumble? I know this much, that the fact that 1992 was 25 years ago was really, really trippy to me. I remember vividly what I was doing in January of 1992. I was in seventh grade. That was like not even two weeks, barely two weeks after the Lions won that playoff game over the Dallas Cowboys. That that was a, it, it blows my mind that 1992 was that long ago, but I still vividly remember that Royal Rumble. And yes, it's also kind of messed up that so many of those guys who were in that Royal Rumble between the Bulldog and Kerry Von Erich, the Texas Tornado, and Bossman, and Piper, and Savage. All these guys have passed away since then. It's nuts seeing that. 25 years is a long time. And it's it was tough. It's tough watching that sometimes, but it just brings that feeling back. This weekend, it's different. The Royal Rumble, as with everything, I mean, the company is no longer WWF, it's WWE now. And the Royal Rumble is a big four-day deal. It's not just simply the Rumble itself anymore. You got NXT TakeOver happening. NXT TakeOver San Antonio. That's going to be something special. The Rumble itself has become this thing where Guys make debuts and guys pop up in the Rumble you haven't seen in years. That's when AJ Styles showed up last year. He was the big one. Who knows who's showing up this year in the Royal Rumble? I mean, there's some guys in this Rumble that you know have no chance of winning. The guys like Mojo Rawley and Dean Ambrose. There's, I have a hard time believing any of the members of the New Day are going to win the Royal Rumble. But then you've also got a stacked group of dudes in there. You got Bill Goldberg and Brock Lesnar and the aforementioned Undertaker. You have Chris Jericho, the current United States heavyweight champion, by the way, in this thing. You got Baron Corbin from SmackDown. He's a long shot, but you never know. Braun Strowman, he's another one. Could they take a shot or a flyer on Bray Wyatt? Who knows? Maybe it could be some surprise, some new guy coming in. It could be some dude like Samoa Joe, for example, suddenly showing up. I would love to see, and you've heard this brought up on different wrestling podcasts all over the place. I would love to see when that clock ticks down on the 10th entry into the Royal Rumble that it's Ty Dillinger who comes out and gets his moment. A guy like Dolph Ziggler probably won't win the Royal Rumble, but he might do something special. I mentioned the New Day, but you know something crazy is going to come from Kofi Kingston. Honestly, my prediction for who wins the Royal Rumble, I have to, I would almost say Chris Jericho. And I know that sounds a little weird to have a guy 46 years old finally get his first Royal Rumble, but remember, Triple H won the damn thing, and the world title, which is which was the only other time that's occurred in a Rumble. Jericho has a ready-made thing with Kevin Owens just kind of sitting out there, and it would be perfect, actually, for Jericho to win the Royal Rumble. It would make the most sense, since SmackDown has the Elimination Chamber coming up in a couple of weeks in, in February, and AJ's got to defend the world title against four or five other guys. It would make total sense for the Raw guy to win the Royal Rumble and be ready-made sitting there when it comes time for WrestleMania. 
it makes total sense. That probably means they won't do it because they don't want to be seen as, quote, predictable. Unless, of course, it's Roman Reigns. But then other than that, they don't want to be seen as predictable. So, in closing, if you don't have the WWE Network, why you why, why, why you BSing? It's $9.99. It's free for the first month. Get on there. Check out the Royal Rumble and holla at me on Twitter, at jscottsmith. I will be tweeting during the Royal Rumble, by the way, at jscottsmith. Let me say it one more time, at jscottsmith. Follow me on Twitter. Look for the blue check mark. My name is J. Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Look for the full version of the Jasmine Duke interview coming up on the Patreon page by Monday. And next week, we're talking Super Bowl 51. Good night, everybody. And uh, one more thing. Put that cigarette out. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.